0: Hello, everybody. How's it going? And welcome back to the As Always podcast, episode 120. I'm when host James, and I'm joined, as always, by Tyler. As always, how's it going, my friend? Uh, great, mate. How you doing?
1: Yeah, doing very well. Very well. Good to be Fantastic.
0: here. Fantastic. Great. All right. And before we continue, it's time to introduce our guest, uh, a fan favorite, uh, someone that we love talking to, Colin Moriarty of Colin's Last Stand and Sacred Symbols. How's it
2: going, Colin? Welcome back. Good. Thank you for having me. Hope you guys are hanging in there all things considered we're all dying but mm. everything's yeah. fine
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> other than the uh, incoming apocalypse and if this doesn't get us the asteroid uh, this month will so
2: of
0: course it's,
1: yeah. it's all good it's all good uh, and uh, of course we can't continue without thanking our Patreon producers for making this show happen it wouldn't happen without them that's King Richard III, Damien, Josh Devlier, Ulbricht, Didlotic, Real Cinema, and Hawkins, a.k.a. H. Parts 12, and Seth, and Bullsack 47, of course. Can't forget Bullsack. Um, thank you, guys. And if you like what you're listening to here and you want to hear more, head over to patreon.com forward slash. As always, for just $1 a month, you get exclusive access to the Clubhouse podcast. There's over 80 episodes. There's hundreds of hours of content you can go, let's do right now, in lockdown, for just $1 a month, plus a week's early access to the Cinema Room podcast, the SpoilerCast podcast. We talk about movies, video games, and TV shows, and we spoil the shit out of them. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And, of course, if you want to go to the $5 tier, you get on the Patreon list... At the start and end of every podcast. So I'll jump into that, of course. Again, our producers: King Richard III, Damien, Josh Devlier, Olbrick, Didlotic, Real Cinnamon Hawkins, AKA H12, Seth, Bolshevik 47, Casey Wood, Pink Flame 3 on 3, Adam Sundling, Alfie Rosell, Jamie Brown, Jesper Olson, Lumestrator, Mario 5380, Has Coronavirus, Kim Gamer, Cream Pies, Oli Hodges, The Creed, Josh J. Anderson, Brendan Obiquo Overlord, Ravgi, Summer Dylan, Diogo, Zixon, Moderox Returns, Gwen Hughes, 2018, 1998, 20. Please change your name. Connor Duros, bully in the alley. Max hates Jean. Is doing bits in the coal mines. Owen Brain. Zeke <laughs> Collins has maximum XP and let's go. Son of a bitch. Doggo Harrisi. Bad assassin. Noah Watts. Furious Coco. Sab. Twenty five fifty seven. Nick Miller. The ACMJS. Radok, Casper Coral, Smexy, Doc, Lewis Cassasson, Kyle, S-Jaws, Emile Josh, Joshua Mora, Walshy, Ginko Swag, Mal- Malha is a chunky boy, the Bass, Ashton Hashtag, Team Mace Windu, Conversations loves Toby's cream Pies, <laughs> Joe the Sexy, come on guys, Joe the Sexy Boy Smith, <laughs> Joe aka Founder Scarab, Evan Brown, gives good top, Luca, Alfie Robert, Brian Ford, that's how it be sometimes, Fishy, Ben Fryer, Team Anna Travis, Billy, the Team my Captain Robertson, and Baby boy, thanks, you sweet vintage lads, for helping power this podcast and keeping us going and having the worst names of all the time. Because everyone know we names. had a
0: guest, did everyone know? Oh, they're getting a guest on, we'll change out all of our names to be <laughs> the worst, the worst they can think of.
1: Oh, god, James, that's how it is. I expect nothing less from our guys. Um, but let's get right into it. Uh, Colin, you've you've uh, you just released a game, yes. Uh, which is super exciting uh do, do you wanna tell our audience about that game and, and how how this came to be i i wasn't aware um that this was a goal of yours i guess to to um create a video game like this so what was the process how did this how did this come about
2: yeah well it's called twin breaker it's on ps4 and vita uh cross by 10 bucks or your local equivalent and uh yeah it just uh, i've been friends with barry johnson at lily games for a long time he was actually like one of my very first psn followers back in 2008 when we started getting trophies in games um and we've just been kind of in touch briefly here and there and then he started releasing games on ps4 and vita uh in 2018 i guess and so he just kind of hit me up and we just ended up collaborating and working together and um yeah I kind of wanted to get involved with him and he kind of wanted to get involved with me and I thought that I could bring the writing and maybe some design shop not chops he's actually a great designer that's not what I want to say some design philosophies that his games were missing and that and some marketing because um, it's hard to get attention on any of these small downloadable games and then he could design and create and program these games and we would have a really good collaboration together so it wasn't necessarily a goal that I always held inside but I knew that once the Opportunity presented itself. It was something that I really wanted to do,
0: mm.
1: and it's just launched. Uh, ha- how do you feel now that it's kind of out there in the world? Because it's a different feeling, like uh, marketing something, and then when it's finally out, and you and you have that feeling, you're like you're confident, and you know it's good, but then to have that in the world, and it's it seemed like from what I've seen a really good response to it. How does that make mm, you yeah.
2: feel? Yeah, we're happy to have it out there. It's cool to finally see what people think and get a lot of feedback I think we've patched the game like four times to just um, deal with like really I think three of the patches were before the game even came out to just deal with really minor issues with the trophies and some other stuff Um, but we're learning as we go and we're happy people enjoy this kind of weird mix-up that we've done with uh, Brick Breaker with a story Um, and I've always had a real soft spot for that genre so it's cool to explore that and we are happy with the sales we started getting some sales figures uh, yesterday. And uh, obviously we did a, well, not obviously, but we did do a physical release in which we were actually allotted more than twice as many as our uh, copies as our original allotment through to, due to popular demand. So we're really happy with what we have here. And it's just a building block. We want to continue to work together. We did an AMA on PlayStation's Reddit yesterday where we talked about how um, I'm actually acquiring a minority share in the studio um, and that our collaboration is going to be permanent moving forward and we have pretty ambitious plans we're going to do a sequel to twin breaker next year and we're going to do a sequel to his other game herbroxia which comes out uh, later this year but then we're going to make a a jrpg style game and um, so Mm -hmm. we're all trying to climb into that mode and and get to that space and um yeah it's, it's been really cool it's been it's interesting to be on the other side of it to be honest Mm. will
1: your capacity involved in the studio be as a writer or will there be other things you're involved with
2: yeah we're trying to figure well it'll primarily be in like the creative and writing uh, vector uh, verticals Um, and yeah I think I was originally going to be creative director but I feel like that sounds like I'm running the studio and I'm not I don't own a majority of the studio and um, Barry's going to remain in charge so it'll be something like chief creative officer or something like that and I'll be writing the scripts and um, kind of massaging the narratives or whatever for the different games, which are becoming more important to, in order for these titles to stand out. What was cool about Twinbreaker was you don't necessarily have to enjoy the story; you can actually skip all of it if you want the intro and all the collectible documents and the interstitial dialogue, and the, like you don't need any of that to enjoy the game. It's just it's it's there if you want it, and so it's just another selling point for us. So yeah, we're gonna try to combine our two skill sets in a in such a way that we can make this work
1: yeah nice one mm. it's uh it was really interesting to play because it's not the sort of game that James and I uh, probably are, are playing a lot but it's it, I don't know
0: I, well I mean speak for yourself think, but, uh...
1: yeah sorry man sorry <laughs> I mean you you and I have been playing especially you have been playing more of these types of games um, mm. than for sure, yeah. uh, probably over the last 12 months more than anything uh, I think the first mm-hmm. thing I realized was like, oh, these smaller games are actually really fun. Even just something like Celeste when that came out, um, hey, I just one, yeah. h- heard all these good things about it. Played, I was like, holy shit! These smaller games can be pretty incredible. And to have something like Twin Breaker, have a brick breaker style game with a story is an interesting touch. And as well, I said this on our last episode of the podcast that um, just before the game came out, because I had, I'd oh, yeah, I'd just finished at that point it was the most colin thing i've ever seen it was i felt like it was like going into your brain a little bit because the themes behind it were very you and things you've you know you've been interested in talked about for years was that was it a story you already had in mind or was it did it come about while you were developing the game
2: i actually when we were developing the when he approached me when Barry approached me with this idea because he originally had approached me with um, a brawler and we had a demo for it that we were messing around with um and we decided to go in this direction instead to make something a little smaller and more bite-sized and so i had this idea of like how i can give context to a brick breaker which was some space theme which a game that this our game's based on a game called arkanoid from the 80s which i really love and there are little interstitial story scenes not very much but in that game and it takes place in space and you're like a spaceship and shit so um i knew i wanted to have something like that but Basically, the um, the bricks in the game are pieces of lost spaceships, and I knew that I wanted to do that, and then I kind of locked in later on the political ramifications of how this all happened on Earth, and it does play out the way I wish the future would go in some way, not with World War III, which is what the game <laughs> um, revolves around, but in terms of a, a peaceful um, and neutral United States that looks towards the stars instead of looking towards fighting others and kind of the game's themes are supposed to be anti-war and I don't know if that comes through or not but Mm -hmm. it was that's something that I wanted to put out there is like look at these amazing investments we've put um, in the game into space travel and finding other habitable planets because everyone's fighting and killing each other here and look what we can do if we just work together and then look at how skeptical this alien species is is of us because of how we've been treating each other and so it's not necessarily the story i've always wanted to tell but it's the story that i think made the most sense and with the collectible documents especially i'm able to flesh out basically 300 years of history and 40 documents by just giving people a little bit of insight into the state of the world leading up to the events of the game so um yeah i'm, I'm happy with the story it's it's cool some people don't like it some people think it's a little heavy-handed or glib or whatever that's fine um but what was most important was that the game is fun, and I, I think the game is really fun to play, whether or not you want any of the context around it. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I really like the game itself.
0: For uh, I mean, the story as well was one of the things that drew me to it, is with Brick Breaker, Brick Breaker games and things like that, you don't normally get, you know, a huge story. And with things like platformers as well, like, uh, one of the things that was great about Celeste, like Tyler brought up, was that it had such a, I don't know, a compelling story. And I think uh, Twin, Bre- Twin Breaker has this, has this sort of I don't know sort of like an aura about it with with the story that draws you in as well like the gameplay is really satisfying and fun to play like when I was streaming it, I did it for our uh, Patreon uh exclusive stream in March um played through the the main story and it was um it was you know the gameplay is great i had there were some moments where i was losing my mind over some of the levels uh, because i couldn't i couldn't i couldn't do it maybe that's because i'm bad at games getting Um, the
1: getting the uh documents on 39 was a fucking nightmare for me personally (laughs) that was a nightmare
0: yeah i mean i'm yet to do everything but uh yeah i had i had some moments where it was where i was struggling but uh that's sort of you know part of the fun is having that challenge if there was no challenge you know it, uh, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't have that fun but the story as well i think it conveys the message well i think it's fun um it's a very interesting story and have and having both you and chris as well uh there to sort of tell the narrative and be it was just there was something just very fun about it i think that um was there as well it was very compelling and it was it was fun to just play through on that stream so i really enjoyed that i'm yet to go and do do all of the stuff but uh from what i've played so far uh
2: i've i've absolutely loved it so uh yeah it's great that's great to hear yeah um uh, we've gotten the feedback that a lot. You know, first of all, we I didn't think the game was. I didn't think anyone was going to p- complain that the game was hard, um, and that just comes mm-hmm. from that's our own ignorance. We've played the game so much in making it that we just lost sight of the fact that we you no know, people don't know how to play it. Like the four paddles really blew a lot of people's minds. And oh my god, um, <laughs> that <drove laughs> and me is, insane. And, <laughs> and it is, but hard like in a good and, way. In a good way. And, yeah, w- like we. It's just funny like that's something we definitely need to check for the next time is to have more people play the game so we have more of an anticipation of what people are going to say about it because very few people played it outside of um, us and so it's interesting to hear how difficult it is for some people and also that some people don't like that it's very rng heavy in terms of um getting items and getting the high scores and stuff which we understand although we don't really know that there's an elegant solution around that and I kind of like that it's rng heavy it, it just it randomly gives you shit and like gives you yeah. that at least what we wanted is like give you that feeling of excitement and like completion or whatever so like level 39 if you're having trouble with that stage like all you need to do is get like a heavy ball probably um and s pl- or playing on new game plus will be probably even better because the, the blocks are, are there's more blocks and there's a better chance of getting a higher score and all that and and of course like trying to buffer your score with the two times multiplier and using the shootable paddles to just get 10 or 20 points per shot by um, hitting b- uh, the ball with it and shooting the scarabs which is really valuable and stuff like there's just ways around it so we think that some people also like i'm gonna do a let's play of it soon maybe this week and the game can be played like really elegantly. It's really fun when you, um, and I'm not like one of the great players of it either. Like I've seen some people play it in such an elegant way. And that's another fun thing about it. We, in putting, you know, you hear this from developers all the time, but in putting the game out there, you learn that um, it's going to be played and enjoyed and experienced in ways you never really thought, which is cool.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, well, I, mean, we, I, I think the thing about it being hard is why it's good. I think James would agree with yeah, you. We I both was, love the fact that yeah, I was we say, love yeah. ripping yeah. our fucking hair out with mm. games. It's a reason. I know you're not a big fan of it, but the reason we love Kingdom Hearts so much is because, especially if you're doing like the data battles, you're gonna rip your fucking hair out. That's like the yeah. love of it when you, you do get it. You'll be sitting there for
0: like ten hours doing the same thing over and over and over again, and then when you get it, you get this massive sense of satisfaction. And obviously, Twin Break is not that not that hard but uh you get like i think like talking about like the the like the drops and how it's rng based i think it works because the main like gameplay is the is the point of it and so you like if you if you had like a a way that you would know like when you were getting all these upgrades all these bonuses or whatever i don't think it would work as well cuz like you're relying on your skill and knowing exactly how the base gameplay works and then if you get these bonuses then great like that'll help you out but I think that I think how it works, how it works is probably for the best. I think that works well, and it adds to that challenge as well. So, um, but personally, I mean, I, I love a challenge. So when I was on those hard levels, I was loving it because I was, I was like, I was, I was ripping my hair out over it, going insane. But at the same time, it was great because I absolutely love that sort of challenging games. It's, it's something you don't get a lot in these big mainline AAA titles like that you're getting from like I don't know, Sony or something. But when you get these you know these smaller games or these 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 more obscure games or something you get this this challenge and it's something that you miss a lot and i absolutely love it so uh, that was something i loved about twin breaker i think
2: yeah one of the solutions we were thinking about for the sequel that was from a a fan of the game was like why not have like set power ups that appeared on every stage but the block would be randomized and to your point i'm like i i hate that solution i actually think that um Mm -hmm. The RNG is a better way to do it and just keeps it more exciting like and more it. interesting. And yeah, the reason that we locked the collectibles behind A ranks and not S ranks was because we knew that some people would get frustrated. And um, the other reason that we did that was because, uh, well, with the trophies, like you only, to get the platinum trophy, you need to do a bunch of stuff, but you need to get all the stages A ranked, but only half of them S ranked. So I wanted to kind of keep things um, like that for the uh, the people that might get frustrated but again we didn't anticipate that so many people would find it so hard although i think that to your point i think a lot of people like the games being that hard so hmm. i mean i know i do so
1: yeah I, I think i found it get i found it easier to get the s ranks the 20 s ranks on not on new game plus cuz it was it was more about like doing it quickly so you needed to break the blocks quickly, and hope you got, like, a heavy ball, or, or the fireball, or something like that, that's what I found the quickest, when getting all the collectibles and stuff, I was like, I'm not doing this on New Game Plus, because you just, it's, you almost need to do it really fast, but then it's a lot of restarting, 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 because if you don't get a heavy ball quick, it's like, well, I fuck this, and you can't lose a life that I found as well, because you need those health bonuses, but yeah no it's it's a really fun game. you should be proud uh, and I'm excited for a sequel and I, I think definitely keep all that story and stuff in keep the, keep the difficulty if anything i I would love to see like a harder mode an even harder mode like something mm, like yeah. a, like some sort of challenging mode that's even harder than that. I think that would be really cool
2: yeah i'm glad to hear I'm glad to hear that because that's something that I want to do as well The things that i'm playing we're playing around with or that I'm playing around with in terms of the narrative is to maybe have so the game the first game ends on a cliffhanger um and I don't think we're gonna do another one after the sequel maybe we would but is to have like some sort of alternate um routes through the game so something like uh Rondo of Blood or something the Castlevania game where there's just like different stages depending on the the not the choices you make but kind of like the characters you find or whatever the case might be so just having like a few different arcs through the game I think would be really fun Uh, And it's something that I think would be something we would want to do and maybe make the game a little longer. And yeah, we'll continue to have the narrative built into the game so that people understand more of the intent behind it. And yeah, we're excited uh, to get it out. But yeah, we have to worry about Habroxia 2 first, and then we'll get into Twin Breaker 2.
1: Fantastic.
0: Yeah,
2: I'm excited. I'm definitely excited. Uh,
1: Another thing that's happened recently, Colin, is a three-year anniversary of Colin's Last Stand. Uh, so I'd love to know with cons Last Stand obviously you've got all your podcasts you're doing and now you're working on video games as well are there any other I mean it's it's hard to have known three years ago that you'd end up here especially when you first launched Colin's Last Stand you were focusing on those uh, history videos and, and political videos but mm. do you now after three years do you have a sort of vision for where you'd like to see your company go?
2: Um yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've been being asked this a lot because the game has been occupying time. But I'm pretty happy with where the company is. We're we're bigger than we've ever been. And I was saying on my Q and A today that's going to go live for my patrons um, tonight when we're reco- You and I, or, or you you guys and me, are recording this. Um, that I anticipate that the company is going to start to shrink a little bit because, if maybe substantially, because um, the reality is is that a lot of people out there are economically hurting right now and while a dollar or two dollars five dollars a month whatever is is trivial to a lot of people in times like this it's it's not going to be trivial to a lot of people so um i think what's really important and you guys probably feel the same way as entertainers and pundits is trying to take this charge of entertaining and informing and distracting people um pretty seriously and i think one of the unfortunate blessings with twin breaker was releasing it when we did Because I think it just kind of came at the right time for a lot of people to just um, fill in this gap as they're social distancing and they feel isolated or alone or um, anxious or whatever the case might be. So with CLS, the the plan is to just kind of keep on keeping on with the products that we have, make sure that we deliver them in high quality and make sure that we deliver them on time so that people can continue to rely on us. Because I do think that there is such a thing as too much. And I think that instinctually a lot of, companies, a lot of entertainment companies and others just feel like more is better. And I don't necessarily agree because, um, we're all competing with each other, obviously for people's ears and their time. Um, and so adding more of your own content to that and that competition is probably a losing strategy. So making the content that you put out there as of now and making it strong or stronger, the best it can be, I think is the best way forward. So, uh, yeah, as Collins last stand enters its fourth year. We're going to continue down the path that we've charted, and we'll probably put a new podcast out this year from my brother that's been kind of delayed indefinitely because of the uh, coronavirus. And in, here in the U.S., obviously, pretty much everyone's getting homeschooled now. And my, um, my brother has two kids, so he's distracted with that. Um, but otherwise, yeah, we want to just keep on keeping on and make sure that we like, earn the support uh, in any way we can, whether it's in, on Patreon or on free feeds. So that people continue to enjoy the content and when we eventually come out of the other, other end of this, hopefully in one piece, and hopefully with an economy that makes some semblance of sense, we can get back to normal, and that content will still be there for people. What I've actually noticed, I, I don't know, I, you guys might have noticed something different, it might just be my shows, it might just be the nature of it, but traffic is slightly down on Sacred Symbols the past few okay. weeks, which is surprising to me Um I'm not worried about it, but I think it shows that maybe people are just worrying about other shit, too. They listen to it at work. They're no longer working. Now they have to deal with their kids at home. Now they're, hmm. they have a sick family member or they lost their job. So also trying to keep that in mind that, to, you know, the one thing I'm committed to is to just keep my employees paid. Um, they have nothing to worry about and um, continue to pay them well. And just take care of everything that we need to take care of so that at least I can control what I can control, which is uh, the livelihoods of the people that rely on me, not only for entertainment, but more importantly, in some ways, um, for money. So, yeah, that's the point. I think
1: think it might be partly our audience age demographic might be slightly younger than yours. I reckon our main age demographic Mm -hmm. is probably the age of 16 to 25. Is the majority of the people that listen to us? So for us, we're probably. I mean, our well, shows I mean, are a bit up.
0: wouldn't I mean, you say? I don't know about podcast. I don't know about podcast like audience because I haven't really been looking at that. Our a last episode through, was like, good. It was our biggest
1: this year so far.
0: Whatever. I mean, that's interesting. I mean, but but based on just my channel, like content and stuff, uh, like videos, whatever, live streams, um, it's definitely been up, like by a significant amount, um, which is great. I mean, it's good to know that. Uh, I mean, it's like, like you said, like our, our jobs that we do now as content creators, as entertainers, if you, I mean, if you want to call us that is, um, is more important than ever. Cause people have nothing to do. It's good. I, it, I feel good in what I do. Like, I'm not just doing what I do to make money or to, you know, I, it, it feels a little bit better in the sense that almost we're, we're important in a sense, like, um, what we do helps people in a, in a time like this, when people are just, you know, stuck at home with nothing to do or Uh, maybe something you know based on maybe a financial issue you know and they've you know trying to take their mind off that or maybe maybe something with a family member um is happening and we can take their mind off that it's it's good to know that you know we're able to do that and we mean more than just sort of base entertainment at this point um because you know from my statistics at least on youtube have gone up um significantly since this whole thing happened which um you know, it's great from a business standpoint, but it's great from like an emotional standpoint as well, knowing that people are, you know, tuning in and we're, you know, getting people through, you know, this tough time as well, which is great. Um, uh, podcasts, have, I guess, like Tyler said, have been doing, doing, doing decently. But yeah, maybe that is an, maybe that is an age thing um, between us uh, with what's going on there. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, who knows?
2: Yeah, I'm looking at the traffic right now. We're down 9% month over month so yes i don't know mm-hmm. if it's a co- coincidental thing it might also be a slow time for my particular audience like playstation isn't really fucking doing anything so um yeah no. but uh also i think that um like patreon is up month over month like seven percent so that really mm-hmm. matters a lot more to the bottom line so yeah it's just yeah, something 100%. i've noticed that yeah, definitely yeah it's something i've noticed that um people might be migrating from one platform to the other but yeah, it's just something I noticed. Like, we just got to put the best content we can out there. It'll be there when people are ready for it. And that's, like, the best we can do, unfortunately. You know, like, I wish that there was more that I can do. I've given some money and whatever, done some things behind the scenes. But it's just, it is frustrating as an entertainer. But like you said, it, it is important to take people's minds off of things as well. And art and entertainment, yeah. I think, is uh, is essential right now. That's why it's so nice that we have... Not only Twin Breaker, but more importantly, we've had Doom Eternal and Resident Evil Three is coming soon, and Final Fantasy VII remake, and these will be nice, meaty games for people to lose themselves in for a little while if they can quiet their minds long enough to do so. Mm,
0: yeah. For sure.
1: How, how are you doing over in the U.S.? Because the U.S. is a it's it, it's quite a uh, a scene at, at at the moment, at least in, internationally speaking, from you know news outlets and. Uh, I know Twitter loves to, loves to, um, go off about stuff, but you know, the U S w- what, are the numbers now with, um, COVID it's the number one country in the world right now with, um, uh, diagnoses. Is that a word? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, um,
2: it's, um, it's been interesting being in the States here and, We have this really interesting society where we don't really believe or trust or like our government at all. So it's hard to like kind of rally us, you know, the whole rally around the flag thing that only has happened in the United States like a handful of times, really. And Mm -hmm. otherwise, we remain inherently skeptical of what federal authority says to us. And I think that that has really hurt our ability to react to this um, serious pandemic and I must admit, I talked about this on one of my shows that I, I never put it out there in the wild because I didn't want to be irresponsible. I'm not a, um, a doctor, a medical doctor, or a scientist, obviously. But I was one of the skepti- quietly skeptical people where I'm like, ah, this is probably not that big of a deal. you know. And I think that, first of all, I was obviously clearly wrong. But I also was responsible enough not to put that into the wild so that I didn't negatively influence anyone, um, which would have been horrible because a lot of people have put out a lot of disinformation and a lot of uh, opinions or punditry that has not been helpful at all but once you realize what's happening out there you have to um, focus on your well-being and the well-being of your family and friends obviously and um, I moved to Virginia from California in January and I'm, I was planning on staying with my mother for um, and her husband for a couple of months while I got my you know got my stuff shipped out here and then went to go house hunting which I was hoping to do in March and April and now that's all screwed up so mm. like plans have just materially changed. And um, in one on one hand, I'm I'm really grateful that I got out of California when I did because I'm near my family and I don't have to worry about that. Everyone's down here and Long Island's not too far away where the rest of my family is. Um, And on the other hand, it's frustrating because I wanted to start the next chapter of my life and finally buy a house and finally go crazy. And on the other side of this, um, we're going to have really low interest rates and housing prices are probably going to go down, maybe even substantially which is beneficial to me but the unfortunate reality is is that that's because we're going to be in some sort of recession or depression in the United States and I would have rather have had a more normal situation where people weren't dying. I mean, I know Trump gave a speech today where they were saying that like maybe best case scenario 100,000 to 250,000 deaths in the US. Um Holy that sh- seems shit. That shit, seems God. really extreme to me. We've lost a little over 3,000 right now, but I know that the exponential growth is substantial. I think it was something like 700 people died just yesterday. So yeah. um, so God. I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, that comes from the CDC, and we do trust the CDC in the United States. or are one of the few organizations we do trust. So it's a scary scene and, an, and, a, and a really mysterious scene. And um, it's also really infuriating because it comes from you know a communist dictatorship that wasn't able to contain it, and that lied about it for a really long time, and it spread outside mm-hmm. of its borders, and it's negatively affecting everybody. I mean, how are you guys doing in your, uh, your homelands?
1: Yeah, James, where's the UK going now? You guys have looked yeah, in I mean, for a while.
2: Yeah, I mean, I did, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's very
0: strange, you know being in a because obviously we're locked down now, so like schools are closed everywhere's closed except for like you know essential places like um grocery stores or pharmacies or you know medical places like hospitals um doctor surgeries whatever um so it's it's really strange i mean working from home for me means that you know this isn't too big of an issue like there's you know you know it, it sucks that i can't go visit my parents or whatever um and you know and and family and stuff my grandparents and they're i mean they're stuck you know self-isolating for an incredibly long period longer than you know i've been um and you know you can't leave and do do this and do that and so you know that sucks but obviously you know working from home means that it's it's a lot easier for for me but it's very strange um it's 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 really weird and going out i think it was was it yesterday or the day before i don't remember but um Uh, I went out to to go and grab some things from from the shops we need some food or whatever Um, And the amount of people that aren't taking this seriously that you see that are in big groups of like, you know six or seven people um, uh, Or I saw two people just like walking down the street like kicking a football back and forth to each other Um, And you know just people all around and it's like people aren't taking this seriously And that means we're gonna be in this lockdown period for even longer um where where things aren't going to get more lenient and aren't going to aren't going to let up because when it gets to the period uh the the point in time in in a couple of weeks where they're going to have to revise this whole um lockdown they've got in place things could get stricter or it can continue the way it is it's definitely not going to let up because people aren't taking the series people aren't distancing from each other people aren't going out only for necessities people are going out because they feel like it because they don't i don't know they don't believe what's happening or um because they're not listening but um it's really strange and the world is absolutely crazy at this point. I mean, personally for me, everything is, is fine. Um, but uh, obviously for a lot of people that are in this situation, it's not fine. Um, and it is, it is very strange to, to, to observe and to see and to see on the news or whatever, or social media. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. It's a really weird one.
1: Yeah. I think Australia's in a very different place. Maybe it was certainly different to uh, the U S and the UK. Um, we're not in lockdown, schools are still open, um, it's it's very strange seeing everyone else, this way, like, we've definitely, social distancing is a thing, and we've got lots of extreme measures, um, lots of businesses obviously have shut down, um, pretty much six months of all uh, gathering areas, restaurants, and cinemas, and bars, pubs, all that sort of stuff are all, are all shut down, but, you know, We haven't gone to lockdown where non-essential places are shutting down, like there's still retailers open and, you know, still most people going to work, but certainly the roads are a lot quieter and schools are a lot quieter, even though schools are still open. Our Prime Minister's pretty adamant about not having to close schools, but I mean, our numbers are, at this point, uh, you know, who knows where we go, but substantially different to the US and the UK. I think we have four and a half thousand cases. And I think there's in total 18 deaths and the youngest was like 68 years old. Um, and and mm-hmm. part of it, of course, is we've got a country the size of the United States uh, pretty much, but only 23 million people in it. So we're a pretty sparse, spaced country with, a would uh, like to think, a very good healthcare system. And I've always had a big focus on, on, on that profession. Uh, and field, I should say. Uh, so, I don't know. I'm feeling I I ha- my hot take is, and things could change obviously between us recording this now and this podcast coming out in a few days. Is my bold prediction for Australia is we'd never go into lockdown. Mm-hmm. We're about to go have two weeks of school holidays for Easter over Easter, uh, and I think God, that's yeah, the Easter. only chance I'd imagine lockdown may be happening because schools are closed and Prime Minister will then be like, oh, right, will locked down now that schools are closed anyway, um, but, after that, I think, uh, the Prime Minister doesn't want to, uh, you know, cut off the workforce more than he has to, um, but they've announced a pretty big economic package for Australians and, and New Zealanders, thankfully as well, um, to, um, who, who, are, who are out of work, I think it's something like $1,500 a fortnight, um, like a pretty substantial mm-hmm. and Australian dollars obviously so um, not as much as some of my, people listeners may think if you're in the US or the UK but still a substantial amount of money and probably a lot of people more money than they were making anyway uh, but that's a six month plan um, that's backed off from the 1st of March I believe to um, the 1st of September because obviously people are still even if businesses aren't closing uh, people are still losing jobs but the economic package isn't just for people that have lost their jobs it's actually for business owners that have lost 30% of their revenue will get for every worker they have in their business $1,500 a fortnight to pay their workers as well. So mm. it, it's a big package but then what happens afterwards um, with all that money that's now been put into the economy what does that do? Like there's, there's a lot of stuff that's still yet to happen mm. and and it's and it's impossible it changes every day. My work is I'm still going into work and I'm kind of like well oh, for how long we'll see. I thought work um, closed. Nah. No. No, I'm still at I'm still at work. So my all, my area my my you? no my area is closed, my department's closed, but okay everywhere else is, um, is still open. Is still open. So, uh, it, oh, yeah, really? it's crazy. And people, yeah, like you said, James, like people your aren't whole place
0: place where you work yes, is yes yes
1: correct correct.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. it's not the same um, everywhere in the world, right? No, I mean, it's obviously not, no, nobody right. knows where you work but yeah, I mean Yeah, 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 um, I'm yeah. I'm pretty sure it's different here. Like big Yeah,
1: big no, it is different places. here. The, yeah, the business is closed in in the U- US, I think. It's most most of it is in the UK. The UK. Too. But but uh one of the things you, you said James is people aren't respecting social distancing and um beyond groups yeah, a lot certainly of aren't. the same in Australia. Uh, it's couldn't think of a worse country to have a pandemic. Our whole mentality is um, anti-authoritarian we're a bunch of convicts and when you know the government or police tell us to do anything we're kind of like so that means do it right <laughs> and, and we've got the easy breezy mentality it's just you know she'll be right ah don't worry about it it'll be fine mm-hmm. it'll work out that's uh, the Australian mentality so whereas New Zealand across the Tasman has gone into complete lockdown and we're like ah nah she'll be right
0: but yeah but they've only had like a few thousand cases right
1: New Zealand has only had a few hundred cases.
0: A few hundred. So that, but, but New, that Zealand's means, uh, like...
1: New Zealand's New Zealand's way. There's two ways Australia going about it. We're trying to flatten the. I guess I guess the idea is flatten the curve, but like, I I, 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 I don't know, actually I don't know what's the best solution here, but I mean, their I idea is for it to just slowly get into the population and for people to build an immunity to it and try to, if, if it's slowly in the population, the least amount of deaths possible so that healthcare workers aren't being overwhelmed. New mm-hmm. Zealand's idea is to eradicate it um, with closed borders. Well, our borders are closed to non-Australians, but they've, you know, New Zealand closed off lockdown, everything's shut. But my thing is, at some point you're going to have to reopen your borders, and are you going to wait 18 months, if we're lucky, for a vaccine? Because eventually it's going to come into New Zealand again. So... I don't know if yeah. their way is going to work. I don't know. I don't know, Colin. What do you think? Where, where, where's your head at with all this? How, how do you think this is going to go?
2: I don't know. It, it seems it, here in the United States, it seems really apocalyptic right now. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's a bit different. Yeah, it's a yeah. bit different. In, yeah, in the, in the, I, I, we really got slammed by this thing, and I don't know. We're gonna. I guess we're gonna have some sort of, for lack of a better term, we're gonna have some sort of post mortem um, about what went wrong. I think a lot of it has to do with. The U.S. is basically the center of global culture and business, and we have a shit ton of people coming in and out of here all the time. And I'm not saying that that's not the case in other countries. It just really is the case here. And that's why you're seeing it in L.A. and and in Seattle and in New York City so acutely. I think it's because of just a lot of foreign travel, people from other places, not only Chinese people, obviously, that might have been infected, but people that did business in China, people that were infected overseas that came home people that are just from overseas that got infected they came here to visit whatever the case might be I mean it's kind of a blameless thing because it's an invisible uh, killer but it's obliterated our market and obliterated our jobs um, there were uh, the worst jobless claims in the history of the United States since we started keeping statistics uh, last week and um, the there are projections from the federal government that we can have between twenty five and thirty percent, thirty five percent unemployment, um, which is Jesus. depression level, yeah, um, mm, and yeah. Ca- it's completely catastrophic. So it's interesting to hear your guys' takes. It seems like Australia is kind of doing good and okay. UK maybe a little worse, somewhere in the middle, and then the U.S. Yeah. is doing pretty bad. Um, the good news is that. We are pretty resilient people, which I think is nice. Um, And we're also the breadbasket of a lot of the world. We have more food than we can even eat here. So we are going to be well-fed. I'm not worried about the loss of, you know, not being able to find what you want and all of that. Like, you can go to the store and find, like, paper goods and some soaps and stuff right now. But otherwise, like, you can go to the supermarket and buy pretty much any food you want. Fresh meat, cheese, produce milk and eggs and butter so everything's going to be fine i think it's just a matter of like and especially in the social media era it just kind of is unfortunate because you don't really know what's true and what isn't and what um kind of trends are going to go and what kind of trends are going to fall and what's going to end up happening it just seems like it's getting scarier and scarier but i i understand that there's not much i can do about it but to just kind of stay home and not become a contagion myself not only for the people that are around me but for other people as well so it's been a lonely and stifling time i mean even for an introvert like me and a homebody like me just not having the option to go anywhere or do anything is really tough um mm. but i feel a lot worse for the third of americans that have been completely and utterly decimated by this um, that live paycheck to paycheck that, you know, we've had, I think, um, I mean, really unprecedented things have been happening in the United States that we didn't even think the federal government can do and probably aren't legal. But I don't think anyone's going to challenge in a time like this, which is like things like suspending evictions and foreclosures in the United States, like you're not allowed to evict people from their buildings. You're not allowed to foreclose on their houses. Um, so like pretty extraordinary federal powers happening. And then, of course, at the state and local levels, a lot of these things are happening as well. And we're—I think—the biggest thing is that we were just caught flat-footed, like we were just totally unprepared for this. We're prepared for like all of these ridiculous things, like all-out nuclear war. I think we would probably be okay if we, we would win that, and like you know, if, if we, if we needed I don't to think invade, anyone wins that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> uh, or if we needed to invade like seven simultaneous countries or something, like we can probably do that. Pretty well, but um, I feel, I but like, a we were not here, what you're good at. Yeah, we're, we're not ready for we were not ready for a pandemic. We just weren't ready. And yeah. I don't know how many things need to happen in the United States for us to realize that we are like a crumbling empire that is just not ready for these domestic issues, whether it's the flooding that happened in Houston or the hurricanes that happened in the Gulf Coast um, and on the eastern seaboard and how f- ineffective FEMA is and all this kind of shit. And It just it took this pandemic, this really disastrous, like Stephen King, the stand like thing that happened for us to realize, Mm. like, wow, we how do we not have anything ready for this? How do we not know what to do? How do we not have we have some of the greatest hospitals and scientists and medical minds in the entire world? And thank God we have them. But like, where where was everyone like, what were they preparing and what were they doing? Why weren't people listening to the klaxons about our lack of preparedness, a lot of hindsight? going on now these days but um yeah it's a strange time guys it's just it's it's weird in the u.s there's something really um book of revelation like in the u.s happening right now it's very unusual and um i think the toll is going to be pretty high and it, it, the only thing that frustrates me is that china is clearly lying about their numbers um, well, 100 and we're not so it makes it seem like we're like really like fucking everything up and i'm like no guys like they're lying you know like they're just totally yeah. lying about everything yeah. Um, yeah. do you think
0: i mean do you think that's part of the reason why the rest of the world was so unprepared because of where it came from and china not wanting to let anything get out any information, like if it came from the numbers. us yeah, yeah like if it originated in the us um you know that people in the us eat bats or whatever wherever it came from but <laughs> like do, like do you think if it came from somewhere like that the the, the the rest of the world might be a little bit more prepared because you know china were trying to cover this up um almost in a sense um is that is that a you know what, what are your thoughts both of you
2: yeah i mean it's all about for, first of all it's about cultural relativism in a lot of ways like i have no problem with a society eating pangolins or bats or whatever um, if that's what you want to do i mean that's that's fine it's more about the condition <laughs> of the wet mm-hmm. markets um that like there's just all of this intermingling of blood and getting into people's wounds and i was saying because i was reading recently just happenstance before this even happened i was reading about aids and about um patient zero and like when they think it jumped to humans and apparently it happened in pretty similar conditions in africa where there were these wet markets with bushmeat um being prepared and it was all this intermingling and before you knew it like i think in the 1920s or 1930s aids had started to kind of enter sl- silently and quietly into the society through the conditions of these um, wet markets there but it's not 1925 anymore Um, and so I have no problem if like people need to make ends meet and they eat these what we would look at as exotic or weird animals in their culture I mean that's fine it's just a matter of doing it safely and we probably I mean a lot of us were like looking with horror but also kind of laughing at a lot of the videos coming out of China in December and January if you guys remember like People yeah. being welded into their apartments and the military like walking through Wuhan, which is a city that's bigger than New York City um, and no one's on the street and shit. And we were all just like, what the fuck? But we didn't really realize that was like their totalitarian way of like being like, oh, Jesus Christ, like this is a serious thing. I don't believe in the conspiracy theories that like it was made in a lab and it got loose or whatever, but. It definitely does come from the. They have to take responsibility as a society for this. Um, and I tweeted out yesterday that like I think that there should be reparations and restitution paid um, to all of the world's countries, whether it's in debt forgiveness or whatever, because this did originate with them and they didn't stop it. And this kind of stuff could happen anywhere. I know that like Lyme's disease happened. You know, not that it's like a contagion like this, but that began in Connecticut. You know, and um, which is a northeastern state here in the United States, and. I would assume that if something like this happened here, we would be a little more forthcoming with everyone about what's happening and why it's happening. And, um, it's just, it's unfortunate because from a domestic point of view too, when we tried to shut down the borders and shut down travel from China, which we eventually did, you know, Trump to his credit was called racist and bigoted and all this kind of stuff, but it ended up probably being the right call. So it's a really complicated issue and it seems like a lot of different societies are dealing with it differently, but, um, because of the large nature of our country, we have a big landmass. We have basically 50 republics in the landmass that are kind of mm. s- semi-self-regulating. And we don't really know how to deal with something like this. It's not something we're prepared for. And it I hate to say it, it kind of gives... If, if someone wanted to invade the U.S. or take us down, I mean, this is kind of... I'm not saying this is what's happening, but this is kind of like a, a harbinger of like what can be done to us. And um, how little we can handle it because we're just, we're not a totalitarian nation. We don't have the instincts for, um, social contract and stuff like that. We just don't, we don't grow up like that here. And so that's good in a lot of ways, but it's bad in ways like this. And I hope that once we'll make it through this, obviously. And once we do, we we have to just be more prepared, but you know, they're talking about, they've already passed a $2 trillion stimulus bill and they're talking about four trillion more I mean we're, we're we're gonna be running a debt somewhere in the line of 25 trillion dollars which is um, like six and a half times what the United States spends as a government every year so we're in bad shape and it just I, I know it seems dramatic but it just feels like it's the end in some way and I don't mean like the end in life I mean at like the end in like of a chapter. the status quo or like our country you know as we know it <laughs> it just it doesn't seem sustainable. It seems all yeah. fucked up right now. Yeah.
1: Do 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 you think that this could be? I guess in some ways, because um, you know we we will get through this as 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 a um, planet. But do you, in some ways, you could look at this as an opportunity after the fact to uh, look at it and be like, we obviously this is a real thing that we have to prepare for because. Like you suggested, it's possible that this could be weaponized, uh, this sort of idea, some sort of contagion. Uh, now, it, do you, could it be that sort of opportunity? Especially because, I guess, I mean, in some ways, w- we're lucky it isn't more deadly than it is. It could have been worse than this. It could have been something worse than this.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um We in the United States, we can't use our 500 million guns to deal with this problem. (laughs) You know, it's Mm -hmm. like we no one's ever going to attempt an invasion of the mainland of the United States because we'll all fight. We all with these crazy guns and and shit like that. And I'm I'm in a house that's fucking armed to the teeth. You know, like it's (laughs) it's it's not an unusual thing, but it does make you wonder, like, how do we prepare for this in the future? I think the federal government in the United States does have some role to play in this, obviously. And it makes sense to me to say like, why don't we all have like, maybe we can just write them off on our taxes or whatever. If the government doesn't want to get directly involved, but like, maybe we should all have like gas masks and um, N95 masks and things of this nature. That way, if it is weaponized in the future something like this, then we can prepare for it. Or if this reemerges like the 1918 flu did in the fall which is a theory that's being heavily propagated by the CDC here in the United States, that it's going to come back and might even be worse that like we can like go about our, our lives wearing looking like psychomantis, I guess, but at least being able to like go out and live lives and not necessarily have our economy so disrupted. Cause what this really shows is like how tenuous our economy is like, and that there is no moral hazard involved in this. I was talking about this on my Q and a, that uh the 1929 crash and what happened in 2008 were those were embedded with moral hazards meaning that like something was wrong with the system in 1929 it was a lot of speculation and all this kind of stuff and in 2008 it was mortgage-backed securities and all these pyramid schemes and ponzi schemes that were fucking with the market but nothing like that happened here our job market was really strong the dollar was really strong um we were producing and, and exporting things gas prices were going down people uh standard of living was going up and then suddenly the government just shut the the economy down because it felt like it had to. And it happened overnight. And before you knew it, we lost the stock market lost a third of its value. We, like I said, we might have a third unemployment rate, which is like unthinkable. I mean, that's unthinkable. I don't even know how you how that happens. So um, I, I just don't know the answer. It's just I, I just hope that we come together as a nation and as an international community and realize like what has happened here And that since we are an inherently global society that's all up in each other's business all the time, literally and figuratively, that we deal with, we figure out ways to deal with this so that we are not, we can't survive another thing like this. Like, you know, that's when you get social unrest. That's when you get violence. Um, And unfortunately, in the United States, we have a propensity for serious violence, serious civil violence here. And that's, I think, the thing that we have to... Be prepared for if people have long-term unemployment, if the, the value of the dollar drops, if we have inflationary cycles, it's gonna be bad news and scary. So,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah true, true. It's as it, it well. You guys have, I mean, you have a federal election at the end of the year as well. Like, how's that? That we had we had a state election uh, in Queensland this past weekend. And I couldn't be- I was sitting there like, how in the world, and we have compulsory voting in Australia. So I'm like, how in the world are we doing this? And, and the government's just like, no, the voting's fine, it's all good. Um, and they did um, do early voting for uh, the week before, and they were open from not uh, from 7am to 9pm every day, and I went and early voted, but we had the biggest um, non-turnout um, in state history for voting. Uh, and and i'm just thinking when i think of the us you've got a federal election with um you know a much 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 bigger population than us one how do you think that's going to go but also how do you think this um will affect uh politically speaking i guess uh, that election how do you think someone like trump's going to turn out at the end uh, and he's it and then biden as well on the other end it's It's a fucking shitstorm from at least my my distant, maybe uneducated perspective over here.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we're not even through the primaries yet. So that's another big issue. And actually, in Ohio, something pretty controversial happened where they canceled their primary and moved it to June. And the governor did this over the um, over the courts. The courts told him that he had to go forward and he just canceled it anyway. And that kind of shit actually makes me scared because we can't start fucking with the elections. Um, they might have been able to he might have made the big he might have made a, a really um, good decision, but it was against the courts, which were supposed to be the arbiters of all these things. And it just kind of instilled in me like I've always bragged when people have talked shit about the United States, about how even in the most trying times we've had elections, we had elections um, in 1864 during the Civil War. We had elections uh, in eighteen thirty two, right after the depression. We had an election in in nineteen thirty two and nineteen forty four when we were fighting the Nazis and the Japanese, and so the election's obviously going to go forward. It's just a matter of like, do we do do we do it in person? Why can't we vote online or by mail? Um, and as far as Trump is concerned, um, I would never count him out. But and I thought that he was actually a favorite until about a month ago to win, especially against Biden or Sanders. I yeah. think he would wipe Sanders out too. But um, I can't imagine he, he survives this. I, I, just, I, I don't know that it's necessarily all his fault, but everything he was leaning on was economic, and now the economy is fucked. So he has really nothing to point towards, and I think a lot of people are going to be eager to just go back to normalcy, which is Joe Biden's whole shick. And um, I would be comfortable voting for Joe Biden, I think. It's just, I just want to see how it all shakes out and who his running mate will be uh, biden's and then who the third party candidates are or whatever so yeah the elections in november but we have we don't even have nominees technically yet because the primary hasn't even finished and um it's it's clearly going to be biden and trump but i don't know it's just i i get a little nervous just about our propensity to succumb to structures of power during times like this i'm not saying people should go out and vote um and get sick, but I don't, I don't know what the right answer is, but it does make me a little, it is a little nerve wracking. And if I were Trump, I would, um, I would pretty much understand that things would have to go really dramatically well for me, or this is going to be the, the end because um, whether he deserves blame for it or not, and I think he deserves a little bit of blame. I don't think he deserves all of the blame. um, The reality is, is that his whole thing was the market. His whole thing was the strength of wall street, the jobs and uh, the cost of living and all that kind of stuff. And that's just all fucked now. So I don't. I. I don't even know what he would run on at this point. Like, I, I'm actually kind of curious to see. It. It's like, how do you, if we he's do going go into he's a depression, gonna, he's going to. He's
1: going to. He's going to run on offense by. He, like he'll run on nothing but discrediting Biden.
0: Like I mean, he's gonna. I can't gonna, see Biden winning, to be honest with you. Like if it, if that's who he's going up against, right? Like based yeah. on based on just sort of like the even like just the social media like perception of 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 Joe Biden, the way that he's but, just like this uh, incapable like, useless, like, frail old man. <laughs> I feel like Trump is going to take that and run with it. Like, just absolutely rip him to shreds. And, like, the people that already support him are going to absolutely love that. They're going to eat that up. Um, but, and people but wouldn't, you say, on the wouldn't fence you say like
1: all these elections over the past few years, starting from the 2016 election, tells us that social media perception probably isn't accurate.
0: Oh, um, yeah, for sure. But, I mean, just, gonna but, get. Then, but then that, that pushes it even further. So, like, because people that have... Vote, people Like, Democrats... Uh, like um for instance on social media uh that are that are all for like bernie sanders they're like i've seen a lot of them they they're like just totally not for joe biden right like but, but like, you no. think
1: they're not you think they're gonna vote for trump over joe biden they're gonna no, vote well, for joe fucking mean, Biden. of course
0: of course but the people i'm talking about the people that are on the fence those people that are like i would have voted for bernie sanders but nah, i'm not see, gonna I, vote I, for I do, joe biden nah, i think, don't know well
1: I disagree with you. I think. I mean, I cannot I, see I, I Joe Biden winning. Because, I genuinely because can't. because you've got Trump at one extreme and Bernie Sanders at the other extreme. I feel like those people on the fence would be much more comfortable voting for Joe Biden, uh, but like more of a centrist like Democrat mill than people. People.
0: Like if you talk about, like, say, imagine my parents, right, were were American citizens, which obviously they're not, but imagine they were. I. I imagine if they were to watch like a, a speech from Donald Trump and then a speech from Joe Biden, I imagine that my parents would vote for Donald Trump, probably. Uh, that's just my guess. Like, I can't speak for him. But I imagine that if... And imagine that's like a, you know, a large but you're portion also, of... But of, then you're imagining is, an inherent, like, bi-
1: like, bias that doesn't exist that it, that does. What do you mean? Like, what... To, to, what mean? Towards personalities, towards people.
0: You well, know? I just think Donald Trump is a is... is I mean, I mean, <laughs> I'm sitting here defending Donald Trump, but I mean, like, <laughs> um, I think in in terms of like, who do you want to lead your country? I feel like Donald Trump is just that bit more competent that people, dumb people fuck maybe might know, follow I mean, more than, than Joe know. Biden. I think I think it's a it's a very strange election, um, and it's going to be interesting to see where it goes because it de- it definitely could go either way. It could it could go anywhere. But uh, my my thoughts is, is is Trump's sort of got it at this point, but. Uh, <laughs> Who knows? Colin, also, I don't like. I personally don't care. So um, yeah. it'll be interesting to to follow from afar and to watch.
1: Colin, how did this happen? With uh, maybe internationally, maybe it's a social media bus. Everyone here that I know talking to again, probably age as well, was like, "Oh, Ber- it'll be Bernie, it'll be Bernie," and it just sounded like it was going to be Bernie. And then all of a sudden, it's like, "Oh no, it's Biden!" Like, how did that happen? I thought Bernie had it.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, if you, I. <laughs> I said it was Bernie would never had a prayer of winning, and um, it's just because the coastal Democrats and the socialists that have a lot of power and prestige on social media and stuff made it seem like he was a a candidate that had a chance. But he doesn't. He didn't. I mean, if you look at the states that Mm -hmm. he won and then the states that he lost in the primary and will continue to lose the primary, Um, Ohio got delayed as we said, but he's going to lose Ohio. It's just he's. We don't want him. You know, in the United States, like there are there are a few people that that do, but it's not a majority of Democrats and it's certainly not a majority of so American media, right? Yeah, exactly. The polls. There's a, a really famous Gallup poll that I think they do every year where they ask if you would vote for a candidate, a presidential candidate. That's like X, Y, Z. And it's like, would you vote for a Muslim? Would you vote for a Jewish person? Would you vote for a gay person? Like. The United States is more likely to vote, like, I think twice as likely to vote for a Muslim president as they are for a socialist president, Um, which, you know, right or wrong. I mean, I would vote for a Muslim president. That means nothing to me. But we all know that the United States has some xenophobia and bigotry built into it. And that's a pretty telling thing about how much people hate that in a lot of places hate socialism just the word and the idea of it. So even if you have socialist tendencies, like when FDR, FDR was like the only really socialist president we ever had, but he refused to call himself that and actually um, distance himself from that, that term, understanding the reality of the ground in America. And the unfortunate thing about our xenophobia and our, um, our strident nationalism in the United States is to the point you guys were making about if Trump could win or not. Like I think Trump's going to run. Um, if, if I were a betting man, I think Trump's going to run a, a scorched earth, pretty openly racist campaign um and mm. i think a lot of that's going to be um against chinese the Ch- china and the chinese and and him yep. saying that like w- i was right about these guys these guys aren't trustworthy look what they did to our society blah 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 and that might work mm. i don't know but mm. um i think that's a high you know chance, i think that that's his
0: i'm sorry i think it does i think something like that has a high chance of working especially in the the way that the world is now Like, uh, I don't know. I just, I just feel like Trump has something about him that people just tend to follow. Like, I mean, how did he win in 2016? A lot of people, if you asked anyone in 2016, like, who's going to win? I think most people that I would have asked anyway would have been like, well, it's obviously not going to be Donald Trump. Like, that's a joke. But then he won. Um... And I don't He's know. He's more I likely like... to win
1: again than he was to win the first time. Yeah,
0: that's to me, like, to, I think a lot of people are like, oh, it probably will be Trump, actually, this time around. Whereas mm-hmm. last time, if you asked anyone, they're probably be like, oh, no way. Like, it's just I Donald guess, Trump. How I he guess win?
1: the only difference is now there's a global pandemic that's just happened that's un- unprecedented, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I would have said to you a month ago, there is zero chance in my mind that Trump's going to lose to Bernie or Biden. But now mm-hmm. I, 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 I have no idea. Um, I still don't. I'm, think I'm, I'm also weird, not. I'm also really not know. American, but I also thought Bernie was going to be the candidate. Um, but but then, what do I know? Um, you know, I, I See, listen to is, right. too much to social media, and also like, who who, who are the people? <clears throat> well, it's, would it be? Would you say Colin is more of a West Coast thing to be? Um, um more of the, a Bernie fan. Like, I I went to the U.S. for the first time last year. And there was a m- massive... I couldn't believe the difference in people between California in LA to New York City. Like, I was in mm. California, and within a few hours of landing, I was watching... I was, it was at Santa Monica, and I was at the pier, and I was, probably landed three hours before... And I was watching people do dog yoga and I was like what the fuck is happening right now? What am I yeah, watching? I
2: know ex- I lived there so I know exactly what you're talking about. Um I know exactly that like grass place that you, that grassy area that, on the beach. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's um it is, I mean it's California, Oregon and Washington and then it's yeah, there are some other like bastions of it but New York's a different I mean I'm from New York and it's a different um a different beast there. Uh, I think a little bit more moderate, but we have these weird intermingling um, candidacies and ideologies in the United States and they all just vie with each other. And I just, I just knew Sanders didn't have a chance. I, I just, uh, it was very similar to like the Andrew Yang thing where I was like, <laughs> Andrew Yang has no, no chance, none. You know, at least Bernie mm-hmm. Sanders had like some sort of like hope to maybe have an inside straight or whatever and get out of the primary. But It just was obvious, like we always tend towards moderates usually, and when we don't, um, it usually blows up in people's faces. And I think the Democrats made a very wise decision not choosing Sanders, because I think Sanders would have lost, definitely, Um, just based on the states that you need to win. Sanders would have won California and New York, but he's not going to win Pennsylvania or Florida or Ohio or Michigan. I mean, you need those states. So Biden is much more palatable. I I would be wary of comparing Clinton with Biden, because people actually like Biden. Um, mm-hmm. And Biden has a connection with a very popular president and Obama. And um, he's just like we call him Uncle Joe. Like he's just he's just even though he seems to be in mental decline, some people think. And I don't know if that's really fair. I don't I don't know. I'm not a neurologist or anything, but um, it's just it's just worth noting that. Um, he's much more likable, like he has a much more inherent uh, likability amongst the populace than clinton ever did everyone hates hillary clinton you know so oh god
1: yeah
2: <laughs> oh god i can't believe that yeah. was even a thing like
0: well, yeah. <laughs> yeah i can't either um, so, yeah, I hear you. so weird um but talking about uh like uh buddy sanders and him running and everything and socialism uh, we had i mean we had a similar thing in the uk with uh, our previous election with um two times actually uh jeremy corbyn the the labor um the the, the head of labor um which is basically our sort of uh, Democrats in the in the UK. Um, he he's a very he was a very socialist guy, and on social media, I mean, if you only looked at Twitter, you you think he was going to win. You think he was vi- like pretty close to winning, and even if he lost, it, it'd it be like a very you know a close loss. Uh, but when you look at the actual results, the Conservatives in the UK won by a landslide last election, even more so than back in uh, whatever year it was before that we had the election. I can't even remember when it was, um, but. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn had a great chance of winning, you know, the previous time uh, And the most recent election he wasn't even close like th- they got absolutely destroyed and that goes to show what Twitter The bearing that Twitter has uh, when it comes to the rest of the UK is that um, You know th- the rest of the UK just don't care and uh, I don't know, you know uh, That's obviously very similar w- with the US because if you look on Twitter You think oh my god Bernie Sanders is gonna absolutely win by a landslide because everyone hates Donald Trump and everyone loves socialism and bernie sanders but when you look at it um you know in terms of the the, the greater united states it's it's clearly just not the case um uh and it's, it's just very interesting because a lot a lot of what we see these days in terms of politics is all through social media um whereas in reality it's not even, it's not even close to what you know the general public t- tends to think i think
2: yeah, it's through a different lens. Like, I, I know so, someone, I saw a story where people were comparing um, tweets from Labor candidates to Tory candidates. And the Labor can't, like, on the election day or, like, leading up to, like, go vote and vote for me, you know, whatever. And the Labor candidates had, like, I think, like 30 times more engagement in likes and retweets than the Tory mm. candidates. Um, and that's just all you need to know. I mean, it's the same thing that happened with Brexit. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. like, you said, the 2017 election. And, I don't know mm. that. I mean, I, I don't presume to know British politics like you do, but um, I presume that the divide between labor and Tory is not as ex- extreme as it seems in that last election. I think people were just so tired of Brexit that they were like, we'll just vote for whoever gets this done so we can move on with our fucking lives. And <laughs> and yeah, I don't really and I don't really blame them for that. But um, yeah, I think even the Corbyn tweet, if someone compared to the Jeremy Corbyn, like, go vote for me tweet. And then the boris johnson won which was like something like 50 to 1 and he got fucking killed now i mean jeremy Corbyn is like one of the most unlikable people i've ever seen so oh i agree Yeah. Um, for sure. so i i mean that's not a huge surprise to me i, I find bernie sanders much more likable than jeremy Corbyn, mm-hmm. but yeah it's just it, it, we are not looking at things properly and everyone makes excuses and also attracts these weird cults of personality which i think turn a lot of people off it's why I'm not really into Trump, and it's why, like, I find Andrew Yang obnoxious, and I find Bernie Sanders obnoxious, and it's like mm. they just have these cults of personality around them that, like, where people's l- entire lives revolve around yeah, like these an obsession, fucking yeah. candidates. It's weird. You know, it's like, it's just mm. weird. That's not what it's po- politics are supposed to be. This We're not talking about Abraham Lincoln or something like that, you know? Like, yeah. And like really serious
0: fucking savior of the country, like one specific leader is going to, you know, change the direction and save everybody sort of thing. Right. You know, there are
2: really three presidents in Washington, Lincoln and FDR where we were they were serious heroes, like Mm. like, you you know, unanimous beloved names um, because of the situations that they guided us through. But we're not in those situations. And these are not those men. You know, Bernie Sanders is not Abraham Lincoln. Andrew Yang is not FDR. You know, yeah. Um, So it's just like I find that, and I've 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 expressed that in the past. Like the more I heard, the more I just see fans of a lot of these politicians. The more I hate the politicians. You know, it's just like I'm just like "Uh, just I, and that's why I find Biden attractive, and that's why I found like Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar really interesting candidates. Is because like they didn't really people liked them and voted for them, but they didn't have these like crazy fucking social media mobs. And I was like, well, that's um that it's that in itself is very attractive to me so Mm. that's quite true
0: i mean i don't remember what it was like with obama i mean when he first got elected i suppose twitter wasn't a huge thing but what was it like um i mean i don't don't even remember but like did obama have that sort of thing when he was elected? I, i mean i personally i remember quite liking obama as a as a president i don't know if that was like a consensus in the u.s i mean i was a lot younger when he was when he was elected what was it i mean what was that like i mean this is a side tangent but just interested sort of
2: yeah i mean i voted for him in 2008 he definitely had i mean the whole hope and change thing was its own cult of personality but we that was another that was a little more understandable because we were going through a serious economic recession um with a lot of criminal behavior white collar criminal behavior and you're right like twitter existed but it wasn't what it is now facebook was not what it is now instagram Mm -hmm. i don't think even existed at this point so like when Obama started c- attracting that cult in 2012, when social media really started to be more prevalent, that's when I, I was turned off by him too, you know? So mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just me, but, um, I don't know. I, I just, uh, I, it was, it was, Obama was a, a unique, the first Obama term was a unique thing, like him winning over McCain and mm-hmm. becoming president, but it was a, it was a much more hopeful time. And again, these people are no Obama either. So yeah. it's, uh, also true. yeah it's all it's all yeah. relative yeah i mean him as a president is a bit hit and miss but i think him as a person
0: like i think he's he's a very likable guy i think you could you could have a beer with him or something and have a good time i think you could have a laugh with him i don't know that's <laughs> just how i see it. but uh i mean that's not what you're voting for but like i mean in terms of <laughs> well, a i think bloke, you are
1: you're voting to have a beer with him i mean true fine.
0: i mean the rock should be president as twitter yeah. has said numerous times yeah, 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 yeah the rock or beyonce yeah. you know they'd be great either
2: <laughs> yeah or oprah
0: Oh yeah. Uh, right, yeah, even better. You're right. Actually, that's a good point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh god, so ridiculous. Um, I, I did want to talk about one last thing with you, Colin. Um, bit totally off topic of this, but um, back in it would have been end of last year. Sacred Symbols was supposed to be at PAX. Yes. And and that oh, yeah. all just went fucking sideways um what, i guess from your perspective looking back on it now one what happened with with that um in your eyes and, and would you ever consider doing any sort of panel at any sort of event uh with consar stand sacred symbols what one of your games at all would, would that be a thing in the future or is that now off the table because of what went down which is so weird Especially, you know, it's it's not 2017 anymore where where everyone was quite as, I guess, sensitive. I feel like people are getting maybe less sensitive in some ways, more sensitive. I don't know. But yeah, wh- wh- where are you at with all that?
2: Um, yeah, that was obnoxious. And we still don't really know who was responsible for that. I have my own theories on that. But um, yeah, it was unfortunate. And I felt bad for our audience because I know that they wanted to... Mm-hmm see us and um, we don't really go out to these panels very often or these shows especially me anymore in my post IGN and post kind of funny days so it was really unfortunate and um, I'm open to doing things in the future but I just don't know that it's a priority right now and obviously the whole situ- global situation now with coronavirus has materially affected anyone's ability to do much of anything in person so who the fuck knows what's mm-hmm. gonna happen to these shows e3 has already been affected in GDC. And- um, whatever the case might be but yeah it was it was unfortunate it was a political hit and I think a lot of it just comes from like our continued success and our meteoric success in the face of defamation and um, just this incessant ill will that's put towards us by certain people in the media and it just happened a few days ago when someone tweeted at me about Twinbreaker or tweeted about Twin Breaker, and I responded it was this uh, woman that works at this what I don't even know what the outlet is but was talking shit about the game and it's just like i don't really understand i don't even know who you are i've never talked to you i've never did anything to you um and i can i can sense your jealousy through the fucking computer screen so mm. um you know i think a lot of people realize that well i think some smart people in the industry realize that the more they berated us and the more that they defamed and attacked me for no reason the more popular i got and the more money i made um mm. and now that we released a game that's popular people just don't know when to quit and they just don't know how to handle it and um so it'd be fun to do something for twin breaker or something for cls at one of these shows but i didn't i don't think i told anyone this but i did sign up for PAX, whatever the last packs was and they declined us um so I think we just have... I think the the deck is stacked against us. And I think that's the case with a lot of game PR, too. But the good news is that we don't really need any of these people. Um, In fact, our outsider status just helps. So maintaining that is actually to the benefit of our company um, and to our bottom line. Because it gives us a lot of credibility that a lot of other places can't claim. Because they get uh, their games early. And they have PR contacts. And they, they have all their buddies on their shows. And you can't really trust what they're saying. Because you don't, you don't know where the connections go and you don't know if they're holding back or whatever. And we don't have to pull punches because of our connections. Cause I've, I, I actually just stopped asking for anything. I don't even care anymore. It's just like, hmm. we don't need this early access. I have plenty of money to buy these games when we need them. And, um, we'll talk to our audience when we can. And, and our audience just continues to appreciate that. So yeah, it sucked. We were looking forward to going, but, um, and I paid out of pocket, uh, $5,000 to re, uh, to reimburse people that wanted money back for their tickets. So, um, mm. you know, I was the one who did the right thing by packs, fucking my audience. I'm the one who had to made that better, make that better. But I did. Yeah, that's commendable. I, and I, what's interesting though, i um, talking about that real quick is,
0: um, recently I've seen once twin breaker was released and you put out a tweet saying like, you've had so many tweets, it's impossible to reply to everybody. you got replies from people like Neil Druckmann from uh naughty dog and Corey Barlog from, uh, Uh, sony santa monica works on god of war uh multiple god of war games it's interesting to see such big names in the community giving you credit saying you know congrats on the on the release of your game um that people that have also said they've been enjoying playing the game i think that helps as well with the with the with public because like you know people can can give you shit like they have been for fucking years over the dumbest stuff um uh, and it's good to see these names uh, you know just saying like congratulations on the release of your game because people that and might have given names you, yeah. People that might have been giving you shit would look at someone like Corey, um, Corey Bullock, um and be like, um, "Oh well, now I can't give Colin shit because this guy, who's a huge name in the industry, you know, incredible um, name, has been published by Sony." Someone like Neil Druckmann, for example. These people. We, now we can't give Colin shit because these people are su- these people are supporting him, and I think that's great to They'll see. Still try. I like seeing They'll still that. Try, like. Of course, like I mean, you can have dumb people like that fucking guy with the Simpsons profile picture, whatever the fuck that is. Don't even remember his name, but I'm sure everyone knows what I'm talking about. Um, you know, we'll, we'll 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 give you shit for stuff, but I think it's getting a lot better. And when I, I talked, I I said this to Tyler the other day when we were doing a podcast was. The reason all of this happened and whatever, and you know, it turned out for the best and everything. But the reason everybody, you know, started to see you in a in a bad light for whatever fucking reason was that was that was that one tweet. Um, and the more you think about it, like the longer it's been since that happened it's the dumbest fucking thing i think i've ever seen on social media it's the, <laughs> it's the stupidest fucking thing um and it's i think it's great to see that i mean for one Colin's i mean probably last stand it was the best it was probably the best career I mean, yeah, the, the, yeah obviously of all like time. everything's turned out for the best like i said like connor's last stand is now doing you know incredible like better than you would ever done in the past and whatever and and all that stuff and it's great i'm so happy for you um but i think it's great to see like public opinion will start to shift because of all of these you know big names in the industry that people look up to and and, and follow like sheep um and so people i think people will start to start to change and things will start to change and hopefully because i, th- I think you deserve it colin like you know you've always done great things you, you're great at what you do and you're you're a, you're a really good person so um i think it's i think it's great to great to see that from from these big names too and hopefully people will, people will follow that and decide to drop all of this unnecessary fucking hatred um, for what,
2: you know, what I consider to be a good man. Um, yeah, thank you. That's very kind of you. Yeah. It was cool that they played the game. Um, I talked to Neil from time to time about other things. So, um, we remain friends and it's, and I heard from other people behind the scenes too. And it's, it's cool. It's, it's good to put the game out there. and, And I agree. I mean, looking back on it, it is so absurd, but it just shows the absurdity of cancel culture generally. And, um, yeah. Not everyone gets out of it the way I do. I did. Um, not everyone survives it and certainly not everyone benefits from it the way I did. Um, it ended up being like the best thing that ever happened to me. And it's just yeah. because of the way I played it, I think, in terms of refusing to apologize and not backing down. and it
1: was also the timing as well, the way you handled yeah. it and, and the, the landscape of where everything was at the time. and all these worlds collided for you at that time as well like mm. definitely you went on joe rogan twice like oh my God. that's what all these presidential candidates are going on that's the biggest show in the world bernie sanders
0: was on there yeah so uh yeah that's crazy i mean and we, we always say like oh we've we've had colin on more times than uh, joe rogan's had him on. So. O- well, officially
1: yeah. yeah now as of so, today so
0: we're, so we're better but uh you know, better than joe sanders. rogan yeah <laughs> yeah
2: well anyway. thanks for having me again guys i mean it's it's much appreciated and good to talk about games and politics and all that kind of stuff i'm always happy to do that so um yeah i appreciate the kind words for sure
1: no any any time mm-hmm. anytime there, yes. bef- before you go if, if you got time uh there was one topic i thought would be interesting to get i want to talk to james about and i'd love to get your thoughts on as well um do you know about what's happened with idubs uh
2: yeah i think a little bit something to do with his girlfriend being like a girl or something is that yeah
1: something. Yeah. james is james yeah. is an iDub expert james you, can you give me some b- background oh, i didn't no. watch a video yesterday <laughs> sorry
0: i keep i keep coming back then i keep dropping out it's my internet is an absolute mess um recently n- no idea what's going on there uh,
1: no we can we hear. You, can you hear is us it, now? is it stable
0: i can hear you yeah
1: yeah you're, you're all good on are we it, on my end. okay
0: yeah okay good all right what were you we saying anyway
1: give, the, uh, give us the i rundown
0: Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's pretty basic. Uh, So iDubbbz, if anybody doesn't know, you know, big uh, commentator, talks about things, talks about his opinion. Mostly got big from uh, that content cop series where he talks about other YouTube channels that are doing dumb shit or or scummy stuff, whatever it might be, uh, for entertainment purposes. Uh, And essentially, he made a video recently in his series IDubs Complains, where he complains about things. I haven't actually even watched this video yet, but I've seen everything that basically he's talking about. So his girlfriend um who i believe was a twitch streamer makes videos here and there whatever they've been together for quite a bit uh has started an only fans which is essentially like patreon but like it's used for porn um and that's basically what she's doing is i don't think she's posting like porn but like i think she's posting like cosplay and like provocative images but but you know it's, it's all for the same thing um And he made a video about it because she got uh, a lot of shit from people basically saying like, oh, but you've got a boyfriend. What's going on? What's happening here? Because, I mean, I think that's a pretty reasonable response. And he made a video on it saying like, oh, I'm perfectly cool with it or whatever. I'm perfectly cool with like random, like millions of people jerking off to my girlfriend, posting these pictures online for money or whatever. Uh, And that's basically what happened. And it split the internet in a sense between people that think it's, you know, it's it's cool because empowerment of women or whatever and uh, other people that are like, don't like it, uh, and that's that's the situation we're in at the minute.
1: With um, that, I, I watched his video yesterday. I thought he handled it well. Like I've what he said it. makes total sense. And and ultimately, I mean, if he doesn't care, why the fuck should I care uh, about what his
0: his girlfriend's doing? Um, yeah. I mean, people are genuinely upset about it. I don't.
1: Well, people are also upset about. Some things i mean people
0: are upset about it i'm obviously not upset about it but uh i think it's funny like i mean i I don't know i think it's i think it's just kind of funny because i mean i think it would be funny in in any instance when you you look at like like if i said to you like i don't know if i said to you like oh i'm i'm uh, my girlfriend is posting nudes and i'm i'm just you know completely fine with people looking at all of that would you not think that's funny
1: i mean i would i wouldn't think it's funny i'd be worried for you because i know you and her very well so i would be (laughs) i might be a bit more concerned about what how the relationship dynamics change so drastically that this is happening um but i mean in general i don't know if i didn't know her and i didn't know you that well um then then yeah i I mean if
0: you're cool with it then i'm cool with it Sure. Um, I think it, I think it's just funny in general though What do you mean by funny? I just think it's funny I don't know I don't know whether it's like this thing that's ingrained in me From like how men should be or whatever I don't really give a shit about all that Like fucking social norms or whatever it is But I, I just think it's funny Because it's like When you see a, like a man And his significant other is doing that I just find that funny It's like Oh okay <laughs> Fucking um, Alright I guess Colin, if that's what you're what, into, like, cool. What What's your
1: perspective on this? Because you, you probably have a bit more wisdom than James and I would have, but um, with being in a relationship with someone and then having a, I don't know, if m- James and I said on the other episode, we um, that it, it's based on how you s- establish a relationship in the first place. Is that a thing to you? Would you feel the same way about that? Like, what's your perspective?
2: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to be in that situation personally but i just wouldn't put myself in that situation you know so i agree with the sentiment that if this is something that everyone's down with then what does it really even matter um i know people that are in similar situations like that the um one of the guys uh, that runs the um filthy casual brand is married to a girl that is incredibly popular in the um you know in that like naked picture realm, I guess, like the OnlyFans realm or whatever. <laughs> and uh yeah, it seems yeah, like sure. they're perfectly comfortable with that and maybe they get off on that. I don't know. It's it I, I personally wouldn't find that hot in any way if someone no, that no. I was with was doing that. But um I've never had to deal with that problem. So it's not something that I've had to confront. But I agree. It's like all about the parameters of the relationship and what individuals want. And if that's like something she wanted to do and he didn't want to, then they both have the right to do that and then not be in that relationship anymore. So It's just weird. People inject themselves into all sorts of drama um, Mm. or manufacture it where the drama doesn't really exist. And um, it's uh, obnoxious. I find it quite obnoxious just because um, people try to get all involved in my life and a lot of the things, personal things that go on in my life, too. And um, it's hard to try to balance that uh, and um, let people in, but at the same time have some sort of boundary or whatever, you know. Um, So... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's just not something that matters to me at all. In ter- I like Ido's. I think he's interesting. I like Content Cop. I think it's really funny. Um, but yeah, it's not something that... I don't know why this is drama. And if if the people involved in it are all on the up and up, then, then it, it certainly doesn't matter to me.
0: Mm. I think the only reason it's become such a big talking point is mainly because of the way that people perceive his girlfriend, is that she's just uh, just outside of this, like irrelevant, forget this whole situation that's happened, but her as a person she seems quite manipulative, quite toxic. Uh, Obviously nobody can speak for you know, they also don't know her. Nobody like, exactly. has any idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nobody has any idea. But people love to think they have some idea of what's going on. People love to be involved because their own lives are so boring. People love to think they can get involved and understand what's going on and understand people. Uh, and it just creates this thing. And so many people are like that. Like, I mean, personally, I don't care either, either way. I still watch iDubbb's content. I still think he's hilarious. I think he's a, you know, a, a, a great guy, whatever. If that's, if you know, I, I don't give a shit what he does in his relationship. Um, but I also still think it's like... I still think you can make jokes about it if you want to. Um, I don't think that, you know these people that are genuinely upset and are like, "Oh, I've lost respect for him." Fucking Leafy came back the other uh today out <laughs> of nowhere to make a video i don't know who that is, I who that is. <laughs> 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 fucking idubbbz made a content cop on him absolutely ruined his career he left for like four years off of youtube and he made a video today where he just t- took a clip from idubbbz's video about um, his girlfriend about only fans where he's like my girlfriend makes only fans videos and i'm totally cool with it and i think it's great that people jerk off to her and it's just like this short audio clip of him going oh man you're you're a fucking cuck and that's um that's the whole video um, and I mean wow. it's, it's funny That guy's life's it's going really dumb.
1: well That guy's life is going really well <laughs> like Fucking leafy yeah,
0: My bro. god um, I love YouTube drama but like hate it as well Like I think it's funny to observe from a distance I'd never get involved with it But I think it's just this amusing thing that happens You know off to the side with these weird communities Of, of commentators and whatnot. Um, I'm very content making Video essays on my own And not getting involved in that uh, yeah. but it's very funny to observe it's like a fucking zoo or something it's great yeah uh, but that's what's happened yeah strange yeah stories. i reckon're i reckon we're all in a uh, all in agreement about what's going on with iDubs. doesn't matter yeah. because indeed because no. it doesn't affect us doesn't matter yeah
1: absolutely well Colin uh thank you so much once again for joining us and coming on the show um mm. you're one of our favorite guests to have one of the favorite people to talk to and we and we appreciate how uh, generous you are with your time and so thank you
2: Oh no! Thank you, guys. Uh, I'm happy to be here, and I'm wishing you the best.
1: Yeah. Good. Mm, good luck can. with to you and your family getting through. Uh, you know this crisis, and I hope you know the U.S. Um, comes back even stronger. You know, live in a great country, and I and I, you know, all the best to you guys. Thank you. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, <laughs> yeah. we certainly will. We certainly will. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. And hopefully, when that happens, this will all be over, and we can laugh about it, and everything's good, and we. We're overreacting.
2: That would be nice.
1: Yeah, that mm. would be nice. Um, yeah. All right, James, you want to read these patron lists and wrap this up?
0: Sure. Thank you, everybody, uh, for listening. Thank you to our Patreon producers, King Richard III, Damien, Josh DeVellier, Alberic, Didlotic, Real Cinema in Hawkins, aka HBarts12, Seth, and Bullsack 47 uh, for your continued support. If you enjoyed what you, what you listened to here, if you enjoyed this episode, and you want more from myself and Tyler, go check out patreon.com forward slash as always. In this time where, you know, you're isolated, you're bored, if you have a dollar to spare, then head over to patreon.com forward slash as always. Uh, throw, throw us a dollar. Uh, and you can get access to uh, eighty plus episodes of the Clubhouse podcast, which personally we think is the best best podcast on the internet. But of course, we're biased. But you can you can be the judge of that by going and checking out yourself. Uh, there's also a public episode on my channel if you want to go and check that out as well, which was uploaded a few weeks back. But you should be able to find it pretty easily. Um, as well as getting early access to the Cinema Room podcast, which comes out. in... Uh, every every week that uh every week the kill uh sorry that the as always podcast is on we'll uh, change the name james out, we change sorry the name. every single time i fucking do this and i get it wrong give me a year and we'll be fine uh every week that the as always podcast is on youtube it comes out a week early because so that so that week it comes out on patreon uh so you can get access to that the cinema room podcast as well as early access to everything the do big projects um You can access 24 hours early. So there's plenty of stuff going on over there. So go and check it out. You'll also help support us. Uh, It means the world. Uh, Thank you to everybody that's pledging $5 or more. Um, We have got King Richard III, Damien, Josh DeVellier, Alberic, Didlotic, Real Cinema in Hawkins, AKA HBarts 12, Seth, Bullsack 47, Casey Wood, Pink Flame 3 and 3, Dumasillin. Adam Sunling, Alfie Rosell, Jamie Brown, Jesper Olsen, Loomis, Shadow, Ariel380, has coronavirus, Kimo Sabe Gamer, Cream Pies, Ollie Hodges, The Creed, Josh J. Anderson, Brendan Obiku, Lord Ravjai, Summer Dylan, Diogo, Zixon, Moderox Returns, Gwen Hughes, 2018, 1998, 20, Conjuros, Bully in the early Max Age, Gene is doing bits in the coal mines, Owen Brain, Zeke Collins has maximum XP, and let's go, uh, Son of a Bitch, OG Adogo, Heresy by Assassin Noah. Watts, Furious Coco? Sub twenty five fifty seven. Nick Miller. The ACMJS. Radoc. Casper Coral. Smexy Dork. Lewis Kassin, Kyle Estrellas. ML Joshua Mora, Walshy. Ginko Swag. Mal Hart is a chunky boy. Mash the Bass. Ashton. Hashtag Mace. Win- uh, hashtag Mace Windu, Conversations loves Toby's cream pies. Josh. Uh. uh Joe. The sexy boy Smith. Joe. A. K. A. Fan Scarab. Evan Brown. Gives good top Luca, Luca, Alfie, Robert, Brian, Ford. That's how it be sometimes. Fishy, Ben, Fryer, Team Adam, Travis, Billy, the team's dynamite, Captain Robertson, and Baby Boy. Thank you, for your, thank you so much for your support. Bloody hell, out had a stroke there uh, reading that. Uh, but that is uh, how it be sometimes. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Colin, again for joining us. Uh, it's been a blast, and uh, we will see you all uh, next time in two weeks' time for the next episode of As Always Podcast. See you in a week's time over on Patreon for Clubhouse. Uh, and uh, that's it from us. See you later, boys. Catch you later. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.